Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. It's what defines the foundation of our faith, the resurrection of Christ, an event like no other in history, and the focus of every believer's Easter celebration. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the impact and importance of the resurrection to everyone on earth, including skeptics. Listen now as David introduces a special message that answers the crucial question, does Easter matter? Well, friends, this is a good Friday. We're looking forward to Sunday and the celebration of our Lord's resurrection. And as you know, Sunday will be a wonderful day for many, many people. And churches that have been empty or near empty will start to fill up. In fact, some churches will be packed. We're celebrating Easter. And the issue that is so often um, brought to my mind during this season is we celebrate that which we do not know. So many people go to church on Easter because you go to church on Easter, but that's not what Easter is all about. It's not just about a tradition of going to church. It's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And if people grabbed hold of that, this wouldn't be just any day. This wouldn't be just a day we celebrate once a year. It would be life-changing, monumental groundbreaking, because Easter is the core of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that today as we answer the question, does Easter matter? When we gather again on Monday, we began a brand new series, which is the series for the month of April. We took these two first days to celebrate Easter together. And uh, the teaching during the month of April is entitled, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in uncertain times. And we have a book that we would like to make available to you uh, by that title. And uh, we can make this book available to you for your gift of any size during the month of April. It's a 230-page book that captures the essence of everything we're going to be talking about during this month, how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. Here's the key to this series. In the prophetic word of God, you will often, in the same context, find an instruction for what we should do as we await the return of Christ. This book contains 10 of those instructions, and we're going to go through them one at a time during the month of April. I'd love for you to have the book. You can also get the study guide by going to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find out all the details for the CD package, the study guide, and for a gift of any size during the month of April, we'll send you this book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. Please be sure and ask for the book when you send your gift today. All right, let's talk about Easter, shall we? The foundation of our faith is the well-established record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ said that he would die and that in three days he would come back from the grave. He did exactly what he said he would do. 
And it was that event that exploded into the hearts of the disciples and convinced them that this Jesus was who he had claimed to be, the only begotten Son of God. And that is the message of Easter, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the unique message of the gospel that comes only from the scriptures, resident only in the Savior, the Son of the living God. In this Easter message, I want to suggest three reasons why the resurrection is central to all of us and why this is the most important holy day in all of the year. First of all, the resurrection matters to Christ. In Luke 24, 6 through 8, we read, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. The resurrection of Jesus Christ vindicates Christ's word. Many times in the Bible, Jesus promised that after he had died and was buried, that in three days he would come out of the grave victorious over death. The fact that he said that is so evident because even his enemies believed it. Even the enemies of Jesus had heard him say that he was going to come out of the grave in three days. They not only heard it, but some of them actually believed it and all of them feared it. For in Matthew 27, verses 63 and 64, we read, The Pharisees came to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Those of you who say that Jesus did not say he would come back from the grave in three days have a major problem because even those who were hostile toward him believed that he had said it and they were afraid it was going to happen and they wanted to make sure that nothing could be done to make people believe that it was true. We must remember that up to this time, Jesus had always kept his word. If he had not come out of the grave as he said that he would, then nothing else that he ever said could be believed either. If the resurrection didn't happen as the Bible says it happened, then Jesus Christ is a fraud and Christianity is a waste of time. But he did come back from the grave exactly as he said he would, and in doing so, he vindicated his word. Secondly, the resurrection validates Christ's work. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins in his body. But if he had not come back from the grave, how would we ever know that his sacrifice was accepted as the final payment? The resurrection is God's guarantee of the validity of the accomplished work of Christ. The cross of Christ is the payment for our debt. The resurrection is God's receipt for the payment in full. When Jesus came out of the grave on the third day, He demonstrated that what he promised he would do when he died on the cross was indeed true. Because if a person can overcome death in his own strength, that person must be the God he claims to be. And Jesus Christ was that God-man. The resurrection vindicates Christ's work and it validates Christ's words. That is why when the crucifixion is mentioned in the epistles, you usually find the resurrection mentioned alongside of it. You see, if you just believe in the crucifixion of Christ, 
That's not enough. The crucifixion of Christ does not set Jesus Christ apart from all of the other would-be leaders and martyrs in history. Many have died claiming to be something they were not. But when Jesus died, claiming ahead of time that he would come back from the grave and then he produced as he said he would, he is set apart from all others as the savior of the world. Romans 8:34 says, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. It is even he who is at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. It is Christ who died and he was risen. Over and over in the scriptures, if you read it with that in mind, you will see the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are looked together as one event, which is the payment for your sin and for mine. The resurrection vindicates Christ's word and it validates Christ's work and it verifies Christ's worth. Watch this. If the crucifixion of Christ had ended it all, if that was it, if Christ had gone to the cross as we celebrate on Good Friday and he had died the awful death that he died, he would certainly have been remembered for his miracles. He would have been remembered for his life. He would have been revered among those who knew him and followed him as a good man and a righteous person. The woman who had gone to such ends to honor him in his death, Nicodemus who had helped to embalm his body, Joseph, who had given him his own sepulcher, all of them would have remembered Jesus fondly with love and admiration. But when he came back from the grave, bringing with him power over death and eternal life for all who would believe, he became so much more than a memory. If the cross is all there is to Jesus, then he is a martyr. But if the resurrection is true, he is not the martyr. He is the master and our beloved Savior. It is the resurrection that validates and verifies the worth of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection matters to Jesus Christ. If there is no resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians, then there is no faith. If there is no resurrection, we are still in our sins. If there is no resurrection, Christianity is a hoax. But he is risen. He is risen indeed. The resurrection matters to Christ. But in case you haven't noted, the resurrection matters to the critics too. Every year during the days that build up to Easter, some liberal atheist releases a book or a movie or a story that is an attempt to destroy the faith of the followers of Christ. It has been like that for as long as I can remember, and I expect it to get a lot worse as the coming of the Lord's return gets closer. None of these feeble attempts to undermine Christianity have been able to stand up against scholarly investigation, and yet they continue. People continue to run after them as if they have some meaning, and they are all ridiculous myths. It takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why? Why do these critics attack the resurrection with such determination? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see, is the event upon which the historic Christian faith is predicated. Destroy the historicity of the resurrection, and you have, in effect, destroyed Christianity. Here are three of the ancient critics and their explanation of Easter and resurrection. The first goes under the name of the wrong tomb theory. A critic by the name of Kersop Lake explains how the resurrection happened. Here's how it happened according to him. 
the women who reported the body missing had mistakenly gone to the wrong tomb. And that's wonderful, except if that's true, the disciples who went to check up on the woman's statement also went to the wrong tomb. Here's a good one. The angels were at the wrong tomb. And the Achilles heel of that explanation is the Jewish leaders who wanted very badly to disprove the resurrection would have lost no time in going to the right tomb to produce the body of Jesus and shutting down forever the rumor of a resurrection. But of course, you know, they didn't do that because it wasn't the wrong tomb. It was the right tomb. It just was an empty tomb. Then there's a theory that was made popular during a book that was written some years ago called The Passover Plot. A critic by the name of Venturini popularized this theory several centuries before that. Now this explanation of the empty tomb says that Jesus didn't really die. He, he just merely fainted from exhaustion and the loss of blood. Everyone thought he was dead, but he was just swooned. And then later he was resuscitated. And the disciples thought it to be a resurrection. Now, this is what this theory asks us to believe, that Christ survived a six-hour crucifixion and a spear wound, that he endured the coldness of a tomb for three days after that, that in his weakened condition, he removed a large boulder at the door of the grave, and that he convinced his disciples that he had a glorious body. I'm telling you, the critics don't have a leg to stand on, and yet it's amazing how many people want to believe this. Because you see, if the resurrection is not true, then the claims of Christ upon us are of no value. But if the resurrection is true, then Jesus Christ has every right to call for our allegiance to him and to tell us that we are in our sins and we need to be forgiven. If you can do away with the resurrection, you get the heat off. But it's a very short, short period before the reality of life and death sets in. Then there's one last thought that some have come together to try to disprove the resurrection. It's called the stolen body theory. A number of critics suggest that the body was stolen by the disciples while the guards slept. Now, for one thing, the depression and cowardice of the disciples at that point in the story provide a rather convincing argument against their becoming so brave and daring as to face a detachment of soldiers and steal the body. Look at where the disciples were at that moment. They all forsook him and fled. When Jesus was crucified, only one was left standing at the foot of the cross, and that was John. All of a sudden, these disciples get all this courage now, and they go past the Roman soldier detachment and steal the body of Jesus. I don't think so. These same disciples later on suffered incredible cruelties and martyrdom because they preached the resurrection. Do you think they would have endured such hardships if they knew in their hearts that the resurrection was a hoax? To ask such a question is to answer it. No, my friends, it wasn't the wrong tomb. Jesus didn't swoon and nobody stole his body. He came out of the grave victorious over death in his own power and he put his foot on the neck of death and he gained victory over all of us. In the matter of life and death, Jesus Christ is our champion and we can be sure that what he said happened, happened. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now let me tell you thirdly, that the resurrection matters to Christ. Obviously, it matters to critics. But thirdly, it matters to Christians. Whether we like it or not, we're all of us suffering from a terminal disease. If Jesus' resurrection is not true, then life is short, and when it's over, we die like dogs. Now, this is a morbid introspection, but it's actually true, isn't it? Last time I looked, the statistics on death in humanity were 100%. 
So every one of us are a candidate for the hope of the resurrection. One day we will all die physically if the Lord's return is delayed. But that is only a temporary death. We will not die spiritually at that moment, but will continue to live on. And one day our bodies will be resurrected and reunited with our spirit and we shall live with the Lord forever if we have put our trust in him and what he did when he gained victory over death. Eugene Peterson has a paraphrase of a section of scripture in Romans chapter 6. He puts this hope that I have been talking about in modern terms and I want to read it for you as you listen. He said, we stand in awe, not just because of what we see, but because of what we know. We know that we too will die. We know that we too will be buried. Our lungs like his will empty. Our hands like his will stiffen. But the rising of his body and the rolling of the stone give birth to a mighty belief. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as an end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our hope. It is what we believe in our hearts that gives us a sense of peace even when we are going through times of stress. We know that what we experience here is not the final experience in all of life, but that what we experience here with its joys and sorrows is just a brief moment compared to eternity with Almighty God, an eternity which was purchased as a gift for us through the death of Christ and his resurrection from the grave. So how does Christ's resurrection prepare us for for the future? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts before we conclude. First of all, Christ's resurrection guarantees a future hope. If you believe that Easter really happened so long ago, that Jesus did come out of the grave victorious over death, that is your guarantee of a future hope. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Paul is making the point that you cannot have eternal life without the resurrection. If Christ did not come out of the grave victorious over death, we have no hope of ever doing that ourselves. Here Jesus pins the hope of the believer squarely on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The great apostle Paul reminded the Thessalonian believers that they sorrowed in death, but not sorrow as others. Listen to this. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We who are Christians have hope, and when we lose somebody in death, we sorrow, but it is not a despair. It is not a sense of finality, of total loss, because we have the hope that because Jesus Christ came out of the grave victorious over death, and he promises that we believe in him, we too shall be raised out of the grave one day, that ultimately we'll be united with those that we love who have gone on to heaven before us. That is the hope of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection guarantees a future hope. But here's even better news. It guarantees a future home. John 14, 1 to 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The belief in heaven 
is an intuitive belief that God has put within each person he has created. Did you know that? That God created us with an intuitive belief that there is life after death. A recent issue of Time magazine featured this question in bold type. Does heaven exist? After discussing in detail the fact that the concept of heaven had fallen on hard times in recent years, the article reported a survey that was taken where this question was asked, do you believe in the existence of heaven where people live forever with God after they die? 81% of the people who were asked that question said they believed in such a place. And 88% said they believed they would meet friends and members of their family in heaven. That belief is given to us as a gift from God, but it is not activated until we put our trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done. We all believe that this is not all there is, that there's life after death. Even people who don't ever go to church, who don't believe in anything at all, you hear them talking about life after death. Let me tell you what I know for a certainty today, friends. All of us in this room, every single one of us, we are going to be alive somewhere forever. We are going to, all of us, be alive somewhere forever, either in the presence of God in heaven or in a place where God is absent and where there is suffering and anguish. There is a heaven, and yes, there is a hell. And when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we make a reservation for that place which God went forward to prepare for us. The only way we get to heaven is by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, that may not be politically correct. It just happens to be biblically correct. That's the word of God. Well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ prepares us also for the present. Because Christ is alive, we have hope that carries us through our lives here. There's an old adage that says, if you get heaven straightened out, it will help you get earth straightened out. But if you don't know where you're going, earth gets all messed up real quick. As soon as you know that you're on your way to heaven, that Christ has forgiven your sin, you've accepted his gift, all of a sudden, while life doesn't get totally without pain and problems, it starts to make more sense. Hope for a better tomorrow is what sees us through a thousand todays. The hope of a nice weekend sees us through the weekdays. The hope of a wonderful holiday can see us through the weeks of busyness and stress. And above all, the hope of heaven sees us through this life. The ability to hope and believe drives us forward. And because we know that Jesus has triumphed over death and will triumph over evil in the end, just as he triumphed over the devil on the cross, we have a sure hope of heaven. God has put eternity into our hearts. And that is why hope springs eternal in our spirit. Did you know that every one of us has a God-shaped vacuum right here? And until God is at home in that place, we will be on a lifetime of uneasiness and distress. But when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, and we acknowledge that what he said he would do, he did that he died on the cross for your sin and mine, and he came out of the grave victorious over death. When we accept that and believe in Christ, that emptiness in our heart is filled with the presence of Jesus in a way that only a person who has experienced it can explain. Has that happened in your heart? Has Jesus Christ filled the emptiness in your life? Is resurrection more than just an extra long weekend? Is it something filled with meaning that touches you where you live? I hope it is. And it is my prayer that this year, during the Easter season, 
you will think seriously about what Easter really means. You know, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, then Easter's just, it's just another, as I mentioned at the end of the message, three-day holiday. But when you know Jesus Christ, Easter's something special because you know that when he came out of the tomb on that first Easter, he guaranteed for us that we will live with him forever if we put our trust in him. Have you done that? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? I promise you, if you do, you will have an Easter in your life and an Easter this weekend that you will never forget. Friends, don't forget we are making available during the month of April uh, the book that will be taught in these next several weeks. The book is called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. So please ask for that book when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of April. Friends, we count on you to help us. We don't talk about it a lot, but we do remind you periodically that it's your gifts, your sacrificial support of this ministry that makes it possible for us to continue to send the Word of God out around the world in so many ways and so many places. Thank you for what you do, and uh, be sure to ask for the book when you send your gift today. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special messages for Easter week, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. The American male has traditionally enjoyed three distinct venues in which to get free advice. From his barber, from his bartender, and his bowling buddies. In each setting, just mention a topic and the conversation will begin and continue indefinitely. Solving the problems of the world is what these friends are for. But may I recommend a fourth source of advice, insight, and counsel that is time-tested, always available, 
and that also begins with the letter B? That's right. It's your Bible. There's a reason the Bible is the most printed book in history. Every one of its words is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's book on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.